Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to the Six Points. This is where we go through the six main takeaways from Hawthorne's game on the weekend against the Western Bulldogs. And it was another game with an improved showing. The team put in a massive effort, but unfortunately, there was no reward when it came to the four points at the end of the game. However, lots and lots of positives to take away from this particular game. Past three weeks, we have shown that we're on the right track. The more games that this team plays together, the more we're going to see them improve in terms of their consistency and self-belief. Tonight, you are joined by Tim and Liam, and we're going to go through our six key takeaways from the Western Bulldogs game. So we'll introduce Liam. Liam, how are you going this evening? Very well, Tim. How are you? Always love podcasting with you, so nice to be on again doing it with you. It's always a lot of fun to be able to podcast with you, Liam, especially after we have an effort like we had on the weekend from the team. And Liam, what a wonderful time to be a Hawthorne supporter on this journey. Now, I know at the moment we're sitting down at the bottom of the ladder. We're sitting in 17th spot thanks to a West Coast thumping that they received on the weekend. But there's lots of little green shoots we can see. And speaking of what a wonderful time to be a Hawthorne supporter on the journey, if you want to become more involved with that journey, you might like to consider being part of the Talking Hawks player sponsorship where you'll have a chance to meet these players and share in a number of exclusive Hawthorne and also Talking Hawks experiences. So this season, Talking Hawks is sponsoring DGB, so that's Denver Granger Barras, John Newcomb, as well as Jazz Fleming. The details are in the podcast notes, or you can go on to talkinghawks.com and you can help in terms of joining us and getting behind the Hawthorne Football Club. Absolutely. Worthwhile investment if you ask me. Absolutely. So, Liam, we are going to talk about Saturday night's game against the Western Bulldogs played at Marvel Stadium. And we know in terms of that, the Dogs got the win with 14 goals, 10-94 to Hawthorne's 9-11-65. And we had Will Day in his return from his two-match suspension received 30 disposals. We had Hardwick, 27, Sicily and Nash with 26 apiece. And in terms of Will Day, he's now received his fourth Fan-voted Hawthorne MVP. From five games. From five games. Not a bad return at all, is it? Considering this is Will's first season uh, in the midfield for us. Uh, no, I do believe I commented on that in pre-season. We, we saw how good he looked in the pre-season. Amazing what a big-bodied, smooth-moving midfielder can do. He's certainly looking the goods, that's for sure. So, Liam, we're going to go through our six points. You've got three points. I've got three points. We will alternate between those points, and that will lead us to our six points in terms of the takeaways from the game. So, Liam, we'll let you start off with point number one. So, shock horror, I'm going to talk about the Rucks again. Um, I'm going to talk about Ned Rees, and I, I said this in the preview with Daz, the opposition analysis. I really wanted to see how Ned Reeves went as a defensive-minded ruck with a primary focus on negating Tim English around the ground. Tick, tick, tick for the big noodle. But yet when Ned, when Timmy English tried to work him over into their forward line and Noodle was the one who pulled down the big contested clunk, or you look at Timmy English, who has a season average of 19.3 disposals but only recorded 11, his previous season low before last weekend was 16. Noodle having 15 and laying six tackles himself. By the way, six tackles is only one short of his career high, which was in his fifth game against the Lions when he laid seven. His 15 disposals was a career high. Uh, Tim English did not take a contested mark. Ned Reeves took two. Tim English only gained 183 metres, which is 63% of his season average, and it's probably actually less than what his season average, less than that in terms of what his season average was before the game, because that will obviously bring down his season average. 
He only went at 54% disposal efficiency compared to his season average of 70.4. He only recorded two intercepts when he averages five. Essentially, Ned Reeves actually made Tim English work defensively, worked Tim English over defensively himself, and curtailed the impact that Tim English had around the ground. Tim English is still a gun, still a dominant player around the ground, but Ned Reeves really made it difficult for him, and he did not have the impact he's had on every other game this season. And as I called in the match pre- in the preview pod, Ned dominated the hitouts, 43 from 79 from for Ned Reeves, 30 out of 80 for Tim English in terms of hitouts versus stoppages attended. Absolutely phenomenal effort by Big Noodle on the weekend. Now, I, for one, Liam, was, I was a bit concerned going into the game. Tim English had been sitting as the number one seed in terms of rucks uh, so far this season, and he's got such an aerobic tank, and we know that Noodle isn't that aerobic beast or that aerobic animal uh, himself, but his efforts on the weekend have been tremendous. Actually, his efforts the last three weeks. I think yep. ever since uh, the Geelong game where Sam Mitchell sat down with the rucks and had a really uh, big, deep and meaningful with them about being able to improve their craft. Since then, I think Noodles really upped his game. He played really well against GWS. Then last week <clears throat> against the Adelaide Crows, he did really well against Riley O'Brien, who's uh, going to be a tremendous up-and-coming ruckman. And then on the weekend comes up against the number one seed. And I love the way you mentioned about that big contested grab that Noodle took down back when Tim English pushed forward, because that was something that I thought, if we can see Noodle doing that week in and week out, it's only going to build his confidence going forward. Yeah, and he's not going to get any. It's not going to get easier for him next week either. Whoever does the um preview, Sean Darcy, like this is, <laughs> he's in for a fun couple of weeks. I think Tim English and Sean Darcy back to back. Wonderful for him, though, in terms of giving him that belief. And I, I've heard uh, whispers that he enjoys being the solo ruck because last season he did a fair bit of that ruck work by himself with you know, chop-outs from a, a Jacob Kaczynski here or there. So be interesting to see what the uh, the makeup of the squad is going forward this weekend as to whether or not we bring in another ruck to help combat Luke Jackson and also Sean Darcy. Yeah, well, um, there was a ruck in the VFL men's who certainly beat the door down. And I don't know about you, if that if Lloyd makes beating the door down, I'm I'm getting out of the way. Yeah, he's a big unit, is uh, is Lloyd. So it'll be interesting to see what happens come Thursday night with selection. Point number two, Liam, and this is fitting because this is the person who wears Guernsey number two, and it was the return of Mitch Lewis. So in terms of Mitch Lewis, we have been crying out for a big forward all season. I will say that when he went down with his uh, with his Knee injury early on in the preseason. It was probably the first time I have actually been pessimistic rather than optimistic. And I did not think that he would be back before the bye. So when we heard that he was hoping to be back round six, round seven, and then he actually returned round seven, it was absolutely wonderful to see. And hats off to Peter Burge. And I know for those of you who listen, you'll think that I must be giving Peter Burge a dollar for every time I mention him. But hats off to him. and his payroll. (laughs) Hats off to him and the medical crew for not only being able to get Mitch Lewis back firing fit, but to actually get him through 80% time on ground in his first game back. He didn't play any preseason hitouts. There was no VFL footy for him. It was purely through strength and conditioning and obviously uh, training. And I know he was doing some extra training sessions away from the team. He was also doing some extra training sessions after games uh, when they were playing, but he played 80% time on ground. He had 16 disposals, 
11 kicks, 5 handballs, took 11 marks, 5 of which he took inside 50. Two tackles. He had one clearance, which I found fascinating for the uh, the big forward. Two direct goal assists and one goal four, which if he bought his kicking boots, his reliable kicking boots that we know, could have been 3-2, could have been 4-1. And not only could it have been the difference between a Hawthorne win uh, and on the unfortunate loss we had, but just think about the confidence it would have given him going forward against a Fremantle side who their defence at the moment is looking quite shaky. Quite shaky, like it might as well have me in it. Um, yeah, 11 score involvements from 16 disposals as well. That's the other thing that with Mitch that really jumped out at me. So he's not just scoring, he's connecting play as well. So you know, he had so 11 score involvements, five of which are his own scores. That means six weren't. So basically from 11 disposals that weren't shots at goal, he had six he had six score involvements, more than half of his disposals were score involvements, even if you exclude his shots. So the presence he had in our forward line is something we haven't really had all year. He brings a bit of size that Fergus Green simply doesn't have. And as impressed as I've been with Fergus Green this year, I was a bit, I'll admit, I was skeptical in the preseason. So far, it looks like I'm wrong. But I, want, I do want to see a bit more because Fergus Green is undersized and does rely a lot on his marking. Uh, but he just brings a presence. You know, he draws defenders. He and he still goes up and grabs the mark. He has. He goes for the football. And I, I just love seeing a forward with a presence. Like even if it's not, even if he's not always going to win the game off his own boot, just being able to demand attention can sometimes be the most important thing that he does. And then the way he links play up the ground as well, as you said, with how he moved and how how fit he looked first game back. I mean, he was actually over the ACL injury a couple of weeks earlier. He had a flare up in the other knee, interestingly, mm. I think is what delayed the return. But he showed his value in terms of the way he linked play, the way he finished chances and the way he created chances with his marking as well. I've really, his game to me really stood out in a big, big way. And he will only be better for that first run back. Um, certainly rusty, shall I say, with his goal kicking because he missed a few that he would normally get. You know, Daz and I talked about in the preview. Again, he is a well above average set shot converter. He converts more, you know, sub 50% chances. But at the end of the day, he's better for the run. And he really, really helped, I think, bring the team together in a way that our forward line simply hasn't had all season. Our forward line hasn't looked the most effective, especially when we've been trying to move it in there quickly. And he's just been right up to the task from day one. And things were better, especially with the Freo side, who defensively have looked pretty poor so far this season. Yeah, we certainly had a lot more structure going forward, especially in that first half. And it was really nice to see Mitch launching for some of those marks because you think if you're coming back from an ACL injury or you've had a flare-up in your other knee that uh, was playing up last season, you might sort of be a bit more in your shell. But seeing him launch for some of those marks was absolutely terrific. Yeah, didn't his knee clearly wasn't bothering me at all. <laughs> we now move on to point three, Liam, your second point. Yeah, so I'm going with the Smithy compliment sandwich approach a little here. I'm going with something that's a bit more of a concern, and I've flagged this before on the show, and it's the size of our back line, especially against the rainforest that the Bulldogs have for a forward line. Um, our average height of our back, as of Thursday night, I did this calculation before, just before the uh, preview pod, uh, our average the average height of our back line was over four centimetres shorter across than the Bulldogs. And it was massively distorted by them having by far and away the shortest player in that name six. 
So we had one genuine key defender in Sam Frost, who's 194 centimetres. They had three key forwards above 196. They took 12 marks inside 50. Yes, we took 14, but they're, you know, a lot of that was shallow and a lot of that was also Mitch Lewis. Our defence is a supposed strength. Right now, I can see our rebounding is a big strength. I, I think our size in the back line, and we have James Blank in the reserves and all that, but we really need some size down back. We simply couldn't compete. When they weren't marking, they were drawing free kicks. They were creating chances. And the day, what what we can all what it can all boil down to is that when you combine their three key forwards plus the resting ruck Tim English, the Bulldogs kicked 14 goals. That quartet kicked nine of them. Tim English kicked one. So their three key forwards kicked eight between them. That's the difference. We we didn't have enough lumberjacks for the rainforest. Yeah, and at the moment, in terms of the uh, the lumberjacks down there, and I guess for our uh, defence, you think we've got Frosty who played on the weekend. Uh, you know, DGB didn't play, but he's 194 centimetres. We had Josh Weddle who came in. Weddle's 191. We had Cicely, who's 186. So he's, uh, what's that, an inch taller than I am. So he's not uh, not, not much tall. yeah, not much taller than I am. But there is someone, Liam, on the horizon. And it's young Will McCabe, who's currently standing 197 centimetres and has been playing as a centre-half back in the Sample under-18s for the Central District team. Yeah, look, as much as I've liked what I've seen, the very limited footage I've seen of him, let's not pin too much on a kid who's barely turned, who's barely 18 at the moment. Let's just, um, let's assess what we have rather than what we don't. Bird in the hand is always worth two in the bush. But I do think our undersized backline also curtailed the ability of Josh Weddle to really use his athleticism and burst up and down the ground. Like, I do think Weddle was limited in that. You know, that's how he dominated the VFL. He simply couldn't do it because he was busy having to match up a player. You know, should we have maybe gone with Jack Scrimshaw ahead of CJ? He does, he's not a key defender, but he offers a bit of extra size as an interceptor, potentially. Like, it's just, I just think our back line looked small. And yes, the Bulldogs forward line is especially tall, but you can't be going into high-level football with a back line as small as we have right now, frankly. So we either need to really address key defensive talent or back in some of the younger players we've got to develop. And how, which way we go, that's entirely up to the coaching staff, but I think we need to pick a path. It's going to be an interesting watch and see in terms of that area for sure. In terms of uh, scrimmers, I think the reason Liam Scrimmers didn't start the game and was on the, the, uh, the sub bench, as he mentioned during the podcast, is he's still trying to overcome that toe injury. So the... Uh, the fitness team still don't have the belief that he can see out a full game yet. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I personally don't like the idea, even as a sub, of carrying someone who is not fit. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. We now move on to point four. I'm going to talk about the fatigue factor. So, in terms of the uh, the fatigue factor, I think if you have a look at the end of the first and the second quarters, we had two shots on goal, one from Harry Morrison and one from Mitch Lewis. Both of those missed, and both of those players had worked incredibly hard to get themselves into spots to uh, to convert those goals. But I think in that second half, in particular, the fatigue factor from the previous week's game against the Adelaide Crows, and I think the strong contested style of game that we played, and we won the contested possessions by 20, I think it really started to take a bit of a toll on the team. And you can see that they've had three 
relatively tough games now against GWS. It was tight the whole way through. Last week against Adelaide, that contested possession, that contested style that we played that didn't see either team sort of kick clear by more than sort of two goals throughout the match. And then obviously against the Western Bulldogs, I think that fatigue factor really started to come in. I think especially with some of these younger bodies that we have in the side. We know that over time, as they continue to work, they're going to obviously improve uh, their cohesion and, and be able to work themselves through those games. But I think with the, the style of game plan that we're playing, with that sort of run-and-gun style that Sam loves to use from the back line, it really takes a fair bit out of them. And I think the fatigue factor really came in during that second half. Yeah, um, it was visible to me even watching, especially in the last quarter. When I mean, the, the last quarter was going unbelievably quickly. I had to actually watch the last five minutes later because I had to go out to a to an event with some other graduates up here in Canberra. But the Hawthorne, we we slowed down. Like there's no way of getting of getting around it. Like the players have not had many preseasons. You know, Max Ramson, first elite AFL preseason. Josh Weddle, first elite AFL preseason. You know, Josh Ward, second. Yeah, it just goes on and on and on. The players who haven't had as many elite level preseasons. And I think this actually ties back into my other point as well. Those Bulldogs forwards got no smaller. Yeah, that's correct. They certainly didn't get any smaller. So it be very interesting to see how the uh, the team continues to go throughout the season. But I think that was a big thing was that fatigue factor in that second half. And I've heard word that Marvel Stadium is incredibly taxing on the legs as well. So it'll be interesting to see how the team comes out this weekend against Fremantle on the wider expanses of Optus Stadium. Yeah, I have also heard that. But, um, I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's the same conditions for both teams. The Bulldogs were simply a bit fitter, a bit more mature bodies. And that's, that's what makes a difference at the end of the day. It's going to take time. I have almost as much faith in Peter Burge as you do, because I don't think anyone has as much faith in Peter Burge as you do, not even his parents. Um, yeah, no, but, we've all got a lot of faith in uh, in Burge and, and the wonders that he'll be able to do with that young squad that he's going to be able to put his touches on and make sure that they are fit and firing as their time continues in the AFL. We'll now move on to yeah. point five, and this is your last point, Liam. I put it. I put this out on Twitter at halftime. I want to talk about Seamus Mitchell. So, first half, he has the Cody Waitman matchup. Cody Waitman is a very, very good, one of the brightest young small forward talents in the competition. Defensively, Seamus Mitchell kept Cody Waitman at the same impact that I had sitting on the couch in Canberra. None. May as well have been 17 on 17, except Seamus Mitchell was actually doing some stuff offensively for us as well and was actually helping bring the ball out of the back. To half time, he had nine disposals, a mark, and two tackles. And then having quickly racked up another couple of marks, some intercepts, and a couple more disposals, he was subbed out early in the third quarter, which, to be honest, is a decision that still baffles me. I I think he had to stay on the ground. I think he was one... I was chatting to, I sent Daz a message at halftime actually saying Seamus Mitchell has to be close to the five stars here at halftime. And I think he was like, he blanketed Waitman out of the game, was having a meaningful impact going back the other way as well, gained 133 meters for us throughout the game and was just one of the best players on the ground till, till he got subbed. He had two inside fifties and a rebound. 
And for a guy who's barely played since 2019 due to COVID and injuries and doesn't turn 21 until July, um, I'm pretty impressed by what I saw from the bloke from a bloke playing his third game of footy at the highest level. Um, both defensively, especially, but also then offering that rebound, using that pace, which his injuries have taken nothing from, clearly. But yeah, it was a surprising substitution. And one of the most positive things out of the game for me was seeing how Seamus Mitchell is showing himself to be a top-level capable defender as well as rebounder, which is good because we have all the rebounders in the world. Having a couple who can actually defend is really handy as well. I love his little deft kick at the end of the uh, the first quarter where he was running full pace and you think many other players would have just bombed it long. Instead, he pulled off this 15.5-metre kick, and I say it was 15.5-metres, Liam, because... If it was less than 15, the umpires would have called play on that uh, Chad took and then Chad went back, kicked it to Morrison. And then, as we know, Harry unfortunately kicked a point. But that little deft touch that Seamus had at full speed, you just went, wow, like that's special. And the yeah. only other thing I can think of is that Seamus was subbed out only due to a height factor. That's the only thing I can think of. because the He was matched up on someone shorter than him. Well, yeah, no, no, but when Scrimshaw came on, it meant Hardwick went on to Waitman. And it was fascinating because yeah. in the post-match press conference that Sam did, he raved about Blake Hardwick's job on Cody Waitman, even though he only played half a game on him. Yeah, I mean, with good reason. Blake Hardwick kept Waitman to a very similar impact to the one I was having in Canberra. But, yeah, I mean, Seamus Mitchell did as much of that work as Dimmer, and I'm a massive fan of Dimmer. But I just thought Seamus was outstanding in the first half, both defensively and going the other way. And it was an interesting substitution. I'd take the height point, although I think there may have been some other players I would have substituted before Seamus Mitchell in that back line for that, for that result. Yeah, no, definitely. So interesting call in terms of pulling Seamus Mitchell out of the uh, out of the game and introducing Scrimshaw as the sub instead of as you said picking someone else. But Seamus certainly had a fantastic three game start to his AFL career. We'll now move on to point six, and this is the last point of this podcast, Liam. And I want to talk about the rebound from defence that Jarman Impey has been able to put into this side this season. So if we go back to 2019, Jarman Impey was absolutely on fire. Inside our top three for the Peter Crimmins medal. Unfortunately, goes down with his ACL. Since then, he's had a multitude of injuries that he's gone through. The trials and tribulations just to get back onto the park. And then watching him on the weekend, we know that, unfortunately, CJ at the moment, he's not, not in form. He's not unable to use that pace. He's unable to break the lines. He's unable to link up with players. Lockie Bramble's toiling away in the VFL doing a tremendous job there and we know he's got a hell of a lot of pace so we really need someone to be able to step up and to use some of that run and gun from the back and Jarman Impey is certainly doing that at the moment 22 touches on the weekend 17 kicks five handballs five marks four tackles he got 462 meters only played 75 percent time on ground but I love the way in the first quarter John Newcomb gets the ball out of the center and here's Jarman Impey flying past him to receive the handball and to be able to break that line and to get the ball inside forward 50. That's the Jarman Impey we love to see. And at the moment, in terms of that game style that we want to play, 
it's so wonderful seeing Jarmany be up and about. And as one of the leaders of the club too, I know when he was picked as one of the, the members of the leadership group, some people were a bit bemused. Why is he part of the leadership group? Why are people picking him? He probably won't play this season. I can't find a spot for him. And now I would say his spot is completely assured because he's doing what we want to see from that back one. Defending, but then also taking the game on. Yeah, I mean, I love to see him. I mean, Daz and I both picked him for best on ground. That didn't quite come to fruition, but he was excellent. Um, looking at quickly looking at the stat pack I make every week, he only Carl Amon and Jack Scrimshaw took more territory per disposal than he did. He was about level with James Sicily, subject to rounding errors. But yeah, he was excellent. He can defend as well. One of the things that really impresses me is he—he's another one. Of, he's a rebounder who can actually defend at least enough to get by. He can intercept. He's—he's he's very good over his head, overhead for his size. Jarman Impey is one of the big things I've noticed about his game. But yeah, he's—he's he's been really strong this season. I mean, I think it was 2019. He wasn't just top three in the Peter Crimmins Medal. I'm pretty sure he was leading it and looked set to run away with it a bit before he did his knee. So. Yeah, he's. I mean, we know he's talented. Now that he doesn't have loose screws sitting in his feet, looks like he's actually starting to show he's starting to recapture that form. And yes, there's still a way to go in terms of getting a bit more consistency into his game this season, but he's really starting to show. Yeah, Jarman Impey's still Jarman Impey. And Absolutely. He's got that ability to play both ends of the ground, but especially down back where he can take the football. And then whilst their lines are still not set from being an attack, he's able to break them and get, get, get going the other way. It's really impressive to see so far. Oh, absolutely. We love watching that scintillating burst of speed that he brings. In terms of that overhead marking, Liam, 178 centimetres. So he's 5'10". So he's the shorter marking, than you. Yes, shorter than me. But in terms of his, uh, his marking ability, tremendous. He's actually going above average in terms of marks so far this season. Yeah, and I don't think he's above average size for a general defender. So, No, absolutely not. So that brings us to the end of our six points for the Western Bulldogs game. Before we finish up, if you haven't liked Talking Hawks on Facebook, Instagram, or on Twitter, please make sure to jump on and to give us a like and a follow. If you haven't subscribed on YouTube, please make sure you do. Wednesday night, we'll also have the live stream which will happen between Daz and also Mitch so they'll be doing the live stream on Wednesday night we will continue to look at the Western Bulldogs game and then we'll look ahead to the game against Frio over at Optus Stadium if podcasts are your thing make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider to Talking Hawks click the little bell that's there that will be able to alert you to any new Talking Hawks content that comes out whether it's player podcast whether it's six points where it's the opposition analysis, you name it, we have it here at Talking Hawks. And here at Talking Hawks, we love to be able to connect and engage with Hawthorne fans from all around the world. This brings us to the end of our Six Points podcast, where we've looked at the Western Bulldogs game. And until next time, go the Hawks.